This is the Barbecue Central Show podcast being generated from a live recording of the Barbecue Central Show, which airs at thebbqcentralshow.com every Tuesday between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Visit them at thebbqguru.com or call them 800 800- 288-GURU. And by Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Sauces, rubs, grills, smokers, everything for the outdoor chef. Visit them online at tastylicksbbq.com or call them 800-677-2882. And by Butcher Barbecue. Manufacturers of premium injections, rubs, and sauces. Visit them online and take full advantage at butcherbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jeweler. Official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Visit them at stephendefranco.com or call 440-943-2700 and use keyword Barbecue Brother to receive all the discounts. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the country's premier pellet grill manufacturers. Three different sizes to choose from, something to fit in every budget and find out more by visiting greenmountaingrills.com. And by Cook Shack, the country's premier manufacturer of electronic and pellet-driven cookers, servicing the residential, commercial, and competition markets. Visit cookshack.com for more information. And by El Diablo Mustard. A few years ago, they wanted to turn ordinary mustard into the hottest shit on earth and dared to take spicy mustard further. They took fiery peppers, flaming spices to create flavor so powerful, so intense that even the devil couldn't resist. Find them at eldiablomustard.com and enjoy the bold flavors, great taste, and man, it's hot as hell. And by cookingpellets.com. Have a pellet fire cooker? Why not try some of the best pellets out there on the market today? Guaranteed to run in any cooker, and it's not voiding any warranties. You can purchase yours today at cookinpellets.com. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. This works a lot better. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Oh, hey, oh. Like I can hear myself, but I don't see the LED meter really bumping the way it should be. Uh, your mic's not on. Hey, first time I ever did the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the big show. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. 216 220. 
888-900-0966. You can also email the show, greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening on the show tonight, in case you didn't get the newsletter. Little thin on guests in quantity, thick on guests in quality, to the tune of 13 minutes from now. Somebody have actually been trying to get on the show for some time, finally on here. You know him as the Weber cooking book god of the world, Jamie Provines. Very excited to talk to Jamie finally. Again, self-admittedly chasing him. uh, Well, I guess maybe not in a direct way, because when I actually saw a tweet from him and reached out and he was like, "Uh, yeah, let's put let's get me on the show. I was, again, I'm continually refreshed with the fact that the biggest names in the industry to this very day typically can be reached through email or through Twitter or the Facebook or whatever, social medias. People very accessible still, which is good to see because when the whole thing blows up and my contact list is sought after like hotcakes... I'm going to be able to rake in a fine nickel and dime. Now, hold on a second here. Losing myself. There we go. Um, so Jamie provides. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff uh, since it's his first time into the show. We're going to be talking background. We're going to be talking how he got hooked up with Weber because a lot of people think that that's got to be one of the coolest gigs ever. And I'm certainly one of them. And then we'll get into, you know, what's it like writing a cookbook? What's the process? All that good stuff. Stuff you want to know about from a first-time guest. You know, we're not going to go all the way back to, like, fifth grade. But we're probably going to go back a little ways at least. So we can get a hold of exactly what's happening with Jamie Provence and uh, everything that he's got going on. A lot of centralites chiming in, letting me know. Great music. No voice. I've rectified that situation, and I apologize profusely. Uh, 9.35 is open. Open. So uh, if you want to jump in tonight, this is a time to do it. If you've had something to get off your chest, if you've taken part in a competition and you have a gripe or you have a praise about a certain competition or a certain promoter or whatever... 935 is probably uh, your spot. You might want to pick that as a spot. Let me back up just for a second. When we get into the Jamie Proviance talk, much like we did with Chris Lilly last week of Big Bob Gibson's, Jamie Proviance will be giving away a new copy of his book, The Big Book Burger. The Big Book of Burgers. Weber's Big Book of Burgers, I believe is what it's called. So at the top of the second hour, we'll be giving away a copy of that to a lucky listener. And yes, we will revive athlete or porn star. So start studying right now. Pervs, hit up the porn sites, study up on the names. Jocks, study up on the sports names, if you will. And we'll see if we can't somewhere meet in the middle and get you a free copy of a book at the top of 10 o'clock. Uh, then we'll move on to 1014, a monthly contributor to the show. Grilling icon Stephen Reichlin will be joining us. Bunch of different things to talk with Stephen since we've last spoke. I believe on his exit last month, he was talking about smoked eggs. I think I think he said smoked eggs. 
And I was like, taken aback, dare I say aghast, that uh, somebody would smoke eggs. But Stephen did it. And we'll talk to him about uh, successes, trials, tribulations of smoked eggs. Also, a, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, beef ribs. And a couple of other things as well. Don't forget his new co- or his new book, uh, Man Made Meals, is out for sale right now. And doing very well from what I understand. He was on CBS Morning Show, I believe. So getting national coverage. Maybe that was regional, but it looked... Na- oh, yeah, no, that was national because Gail King was moderating. Oprah's twin sister, Gail King. Uh, so that's Stephen Reichlin coming up at 10... Uh, 14, and then... Uh, 10.35 Open Watch out If you didn't get in on the 9.35 portion of the show Because we were busy Expounding on the trials and tribulations Of the barbecue and grilling industry Then 10.35 might be the place That you want to pick your spot And get in at Very well could be So You know couple different uh, times for you to, to get in tonight if you're so inclined to jump in. If you want to do it and you don't have the contact information and you can't read because you're not watching the video, 216-220-0966, greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. Those are your two bits of contact information. As always, if you're watching the show and you feel like uh, getting involved with spreading the love of the show, I would be very... Happy and humbled that if you would blast off an email or a Facebook post or make a tweet on the Twitter, let everybody know you're watching the show. A couple of different sites you want to send them to. The main website, of course, for audio and all the live, well, all of the uh, show replays, thebbqcentralshow.com. If you have a computer or a tablet and you want to watch it there, uh, video site, outdoorcookingchannel.com, the video syndicate of the show. And Roku as well as a number of other IPTV devices. If there is Outdoor Cooking Channel in your particular app store, which is very easy to search and you can get a quick yes or no, download the app and then there is a live stream as well. So you can catch the show live as it's happening 9 to 11 p.m. each Tuesday. And then there is, of course, a replay channel of the Barbecue Central Show along with a host of other shows out there on the Outdoor Cooking Channel. Not to mention uh, Chad Lee Von Ward from Whiskey Bent Barbecue. If you missed his show tonight... You're going to want to go back and check it out. Matt Barber from Hot Wachulas sat in as a guest host. Chad not willing to turn the mic up for uh, Chad or uh, for Matt Barber, but that's all right. Hey, he's only FBA team of the year. No need to turn his mic up. Who wants to hear what he's got to say? Uh, Dave Morrow from Blue Bloods was on and closing the show was Jason Whitcomb from Team Unknown Barbecue. By the way, I am a militia member, proud and loud, or loud and proud, however you want to do it. So if you missed that show, go back to the barbecue uh, or the Outdoor Cooking Channel archives and grab Whiskey Men Barbecue in the Pit. Now, two shows strong into having made the move off of Block Talk Radio and onto the new home of the Outdoor Cooking Channel. For replays and all that other stuff, audio, you can get at iTunes. That's the most popular place to get replays of the show. Uh, there is a YouTube channel for my show. Outdoor Cooking Channel obviously has the video replays. Uh, the main website, the Barbecue Central Show, has all of the website uh, replays that you will need. So there's never any reason you should miss anything on the show. 
Um, a lot of people gave me emails asking if the ribs that I had at the Willoughby rib cook-off two weeks ago were as bad as I was making it up to be or if if I was just uh, playing it up for the show. And I have to tell you unequivocally, some of the worst ribs I've ever had in my life. Again, if I can be so bold, the best rib that won the whole damn thing was still one of the worst ribs I've ever had in my life, and I'm not kidding. Jamie Proviance coming up after this. Let me talk to you quickly about Butcher's Barbecue, and let me do it from the heart, folks, because much like a, a year ago at the Memorial Day when I used Butcher Barbecue injection, the beef injection for my briskets, I indeed rolled it out again for the Memorial Day brisket. I did two pork butts, and I also did a 11-pound brisket flat. It was the biggest one I could find at BJ's. Went right home, seasoned it up, and then injected with Butcher's Barbecue brisket injection, the beef injection. Oh. You know... I think brisket, especially for us backyard warriors, you know, for the, the competition cooks there, you know, that are always cooking it, you know, it's probably not that big of a deal anymore. It's, it doesn't uh, make them nervous. You know, but for me, a, a backyard warrior guy who does, you know, probably a handful beef barbecue in this house doesn't go over as well as the pork ribs and the pork butt and the chicken. You know, out of three categories, the fourth category falls off, which is the brisket. Let me tell you something. I don't feel overly confident when I say that Dave's product absolutely makes the difference for me in the backyard when it comes to serving either a crappy brisket or a great brisket. Admittedly, I was... I overshot the finish temperature. There was a whole different story that goes along with that, which is basically my 13-year-old daughter taking my twin brother and younger brother out, 39 and 35 respectively, and then blowing fastballs by them and spinning them into the ground. Well, you know, half an hour later, we get back. I overshot. has nothing to do with Dave except for the fact that I injected, so my window of error was actually a little bit bigger, so the brisket was still tender and still moist and still flavorful all thanks to his product the butcher's barbecue beef injection of course the pork the bird booster the premium no doubt about it all the rubs and the sauces but you got to do yourself a favor and get over there if nothing else check out the beef injection now it's what he's known for the world over butcherbbq.com that's butcherbbq.com no worries about breaking the bank on shipping between eight dollars and fifty cents, it's fifty-five. Uh, it's uh, I'm sorry, at fifty-five dollars or less, it's eight dollars and fifty cents. Between fifty-five and two hundred, ships at nine dollars and seventy-five cents. And anything over two hundred dollars ships for free. It's butcherbbq.com. Butcherbbq.com. I always trust my butcher when it comes to the brisket cook. You should always trust your butcher as well. Butcherbbq.com. We're back with Jamie Perviance. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. 
Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. My first guest tonight, a prolific book writer, one of the biggest and best grill companies in the world. His most recent book is Weber's Big Book of Burgers, as I am sure many of you partook in these over the weekend. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome first-time guest to the show. It's my pleasure to welcome Jamie Provience in. Jamie, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. I'm great. Happy to be with you. Great. How are you doing? Appreciate you making the time, and I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you asking. Uh, so, uh, you know, any number of different places that we could start tonight, Jamie, and uh, you're, you're somebody who I've wanted to have on the show for quite a while. And as I was saying in the open, uh, you know, somebody like you or Stephen Reichler or somebody, you know, well-known in the industry, well-published in the industry and respected, you think, man, it's probably really hard to get a hold of these guys. And then I just happened to blow past a tweet in the, on, the, uh, on the Twitter. I send you something, you're boom, or you're right back to me. And it's kind of still refreshing that as, as popular as the grilling and the barbecue industry has become, you know, most of you guys are still pretty accessible, right? Oh, sure. Why not? I mean, <laughs> you know, we're just out, outdoor cooks. Um, we're lucky to do what we do. Um, I haven't met anybody in this world that's, um, you know, distant or elitist or you know hard to reach we're sort of a band of brothers i think we, we talk to each other quite a bit i know you're having steven on later and he and i connect from time to time and same thing with all the other cookbook authors it's um we're just all really lucky to do what we do you know and uh it would be a shame if we got kind of uh snobby about it Jamie Provines joining me here on the show uh jamie obviously uh, a lot of burger talk to be had here over the next segment but uh, perhaps maybe a little background uh, about you first, uh, and maybe let's take it all the way back to like little Jamie Provence. Were you <laughs> somebody from a family that did a lot of live fire cooking like myself, or uh, maybe not so much? Pretty typical American childhood um, in the suburbs of New Jersey for me. Uh, week, you know, weekend grilling with dad on, you know, on the kettle, um, nothing uh, elaborate pretty much hot dogs and hamburgers. Um, so here we are, you know, some 40-some years later, and I'm still doing hot dogs and hamburgers, but that's okay. Uh, it's still delicious. But um, I didn't really get serious about it until much later. Um, you know, fast forward through, you know, I went to boarding school, went out to college in California, was a school teacher in San Francisco, and... Uh, Overseas, I was in Indonesia for a while, wow. and then uh, uh, those last few years, particularly being in San Francisco and living in Southeast Asia, really started to open my mind to how great food could be. And I was <laughs> I was disappointed with my own abilities to recreate that food. Right, I go to some of these fabulous restaurants and. Uh, I think I got to learn how to make this. And I'd go home and I would just fail miserably. And uh, I thought, yeah, enough of this. I'm going to go to cooking school and learn how to do it. So I enrolled at the Culinary Institute of America, which is a chef training school, but I really didn't have any plans on being a chef. I just wanted to learn how to cook for my family and my friends and myself. Um, so that's when it really took off. And, and in in the process of that education, I, I got more serious about it and um, sort of abandoned the school teaching thing and 
decided to pursue food as my full-time profession. Do you find that as you were initially, I guess, a, a school teacher by profession and you get into the culinary aspect of it, and you have obviously a very prolific book writer, do, do you still kind of relive or get to kind of seek out that uh, type of a, of a deal on the side, being the, the book writer and, and kind of that teacher, along with being known as you know the, the Weber's Grill Master? Well, yeah, I'm lucky because I, I am able to sort of weave together what I taught and, and what I'm learning in food. So I was primarily an English teacher, um, and I taught writing specifically. And now, you know, here I am <laughs> writing for a living and, and focusing on a topic that I really love. So uh, it, it's worked out nicely the way those things have blended When you're going through the Culinary Institute of Americas, uh, did you ever think during the the point of training that, hey, you know what, maybe I do want to become an executive chef or open my own restaurant, or did you always stick to just wanting to sharpen the skills to entertain and impress the the people you're going to be around the most? Yeah, I never really thought I would be a chef. I, um, I think there's a certain mentality that you have to have going in, um, and they made it clearer and clearer to us in our classes how important it was to be kind of fierce in the kitchen and really fast. I don't think people understand the intensity of a professional, I mean, a really good restaurant. It works at enormous speed. And it's not really, well, the frustrating thing for me was it it didn't seem it was as, as much about the food as it was about just production, just getting it out as fast as you possibly could. And some people thrive in that kind of environment, when they're cooking, you know, for 200 people a night, and I just don't. You know, I like to cook for about six. <laughs> Maybe I'm lazy, I don't know. But uh, so I just, I never thought that I would go into that. Um, I, I kind of approached it. I, I actually, after I graduated, I moved out to California again, and I was, I was the chef of a winery. Not really a restaurant, but just kind of a... Uh, an entertaining chef. We would have small groups come in, you know, distributors and retailers, and I'd make lunch for them. Started out with eight, ten, you know, maybe fifteen people, and and then the CEO of the winery got this idea that maybe we could start entertaining bigger crowds. So we were doing, you know, company holiday parties and corporate events, and all of a sudden I was catering weddings. And wow! <laughs> and at that point, I got out. That's when I shifted really away from cooking and started to focus on food writing. So, uh, and I appreciate the dovetail nicely here during the interview. People will probably ask you, well, here's your background. Here's what you came out of. How do you tie in with Weber or how is that introduction made? How do you get together with them with really the premier manufacturer of grills in the country, probably the world? Yeah, that was just pure luck. <laughs> Um, we hate well, you I for that. I, I suppose so. During that period where I was sort of phasing out of the winery and starting to write um, freelance, really, I was doing some articles on grilling and barbecue, and um, I'd written for you know Bon Appetit and uh, Sunset Magazine out here on the West Coast, and um, Weber just happened to be looking for somebody at that point. They had always done cookbooks, but you know, back in the 60s and 70s, really since the, the early days. But they were starting to um, kind of re-energize the whole publishing program and do it more seriously. And uh, they were looking around for talent, and I guess somebody spotted me and said, "Hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. Why don't we contact him?" 
And it started out as a very small little job. We were just doing, I was actually really just an editor. They already had some recipes and I was meant to write some head notes and, you know, test them and refine them and maybe add a few of my own. And it was, a, it was a, just a small short-term project, but the book came out well, sold pretty well. Um, this was called Weber's Art of the Grill. I don't know if anyone even has it anymore. It came out in 1999. Uh, it was a $40 cookbook, which was a huge amount of money. Right. still is, really, for yeah. a cookbook, um, but sold really well. And so they came back to me and said, hmm, I think we're on to something here. And we started then uh, Weber's Big Book of Grilling. And that was a monster project. That's when I had to set aside all my other freelance jobs aside, happily, of course, because sure. <laughs> you know this was Weber, and they they paid better than you know the local newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I really you know dug in. I got to know a lot of the people at Weber. I was still in California, of course. You know Weber is in the Chicago area, but I started traveling back to the company, sort of you know interviewing some of the the folks who'd been there for ages, getting a lot of their grilling wisdom and and packing it into that book. And, and that book went on to sell even better than Art of the Grill. So, uh, you know, here we are. Now we've done, I think, 12 books together. Um, and they just get better and better in terms of sales and, and hopefully in terms of you know, quality of content as well. You've done 12 books now. You've had, you know, 15-year relationship or, or however long it's been. How do you gauge the relationship, and I guess how have you grown within their uh, within their culture over the years? Well, it's it's been wonderful because my role really has expanded. Um, as I said initially, it was really just only about the recipes, and that's still core to what I do. But um, I've gotten much more involved in the design of the books. Um, really even before that, the, the whole concept for the book. So sitting down with the publisher and deciding, you know, what really does the marketplace need at this point? And then thinking all, a lot about the, the graphic design, um, going to the photo shoots and really, you know, thinking about how we're going to distinguish some photos from other photos, how we're going to capture step-by-step process, whatever the case may be. Um, and, so I've really gotten a great education in, in how to put together a book. And then recently, um, Weber has grown a lot overseas, uh, particularly in Europe. So there are kind of subsidiaries in all those countries, Germany and Denmark and Italy and Spain. And those countries all need content as well because they don't really have the uh, the history that we do in the U.S., that tradition of backyard barbecue but they love it. They've caught on now and they're really starved for, for information. So now I'm traveling over there and I'm working with a lot of the chefs who were employed by Weber, but still needing training in kind of the American way of grilling and barbecue. And we're doing books together. So that's been fascinating. And then there's the whole PR world, which is kind of fun, you know, where you learn about this kind of thing, doing interviews, being on television, um, you know, working the media, so to speak. It's, uh, it's been great. 
All right, so uh, while we have some time left here, Jamie, obviously let's get to the new book. Uh, there's at least 75 other things I was going to ask you about, but let's uh, <laughs> let's be time-worthy now. I'm sure we can have you back on at a later date. Um, sure. The new book, Big Book of Burgers, you know, last year I noticed there was a rush of burger books to hit the market. In 2014, however, you seem to be kind of the only big name out there taking on the subject uh, this year. As a prospective buyer or reader, what can one expect from this effort? Well, my hope going in, and I think that we've achieved it, is to create you know, the most comprehensive burger book out there that really captures the classics, you know, everything that you want in a burger book um, uh, traditionally, and then kind of surprises people and delights them with some interesting variations uh, you know, we're in sort of this burger renaissance now where we're rethinking what a burger is and what it could be. And so there are just a lot of interesting variations using all kinds of different meats, De- definitely, you know, turkey and chicken and seafood and bison and lamb and a lot of vegetarian burgers as well. Um, and then we've got a lot of side dishes a lot of sausage and hot dogs because it all kind of goes together with this sort of classic backyard scenario. So it's just a it's just a really comprehensive look at where we are with burger uh, with burgers today. And you know, in typical Weber style, every recipe has a photo. I think they're gorgeous. I'm a little biased, but I think the food's great. It's got a fun design. Just a great book. So when we talk about burgers, and I think when you say burgers, at least to my audience, which are you know the big fat barbecues and griller guys like we are, <laughs> we think beef burgers. So everybody yeah. has an opinion or a take or uh, their suggestions on how to really start out with the necessities of making a good burger. In your opinion, what do you think that you need to have in order to, to start out making a good burger? Fat. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Fat. I mean, it really is important. You need you need really juicy meat to begin with, um, fatty and and also not compressed. I think that's one mistake that people make is they get this stuff. Usually, it's in a little styrofoam tray and it's packed in there like sausage meat. Yep. And that stuff is never going to be loose and tender like a, a burger should be. So. You know, freshly ground if you can, but if you can't get it freshly ground, at least try to find the package that looks like, you know, you can actually see some texture in it. You can see a little bit of the the grain of the meat, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, you need some technique, obviously. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of, you know, focus on that in the book. But basically, you know, a couple of mistakes that people typically make is that they they make the burgers too fat for one thing. Um, I like them about three quarters of an inch thick because I like that sort of ideal contrast between a nice crust on the outside and a little char, a little, uh, you know, caramelized meat, and then this really juicy stuff in the center. And if the thing is too fat, it tends to burn on the outside. And if it's too thin, you never really get a decent crust on it. You need some pretty blazing hot heat. I like a good medium hot fire. Um, and I'm a big proponent of keeping the lid down. That's probably a controversial topic, but I think it makes a huge difference. It, it keeps the grate hotter. Um, it traps the smoke, which is really important. And uh, it cooks the thing a little bit faster, too. So it, it tends to be juicier in the end. You're, you're always losing juice through the cooking, through the grilling. 
So if you can kind of get it on and off a little faster, it's probably going to be juicier in the end. So those are just some basics, but there's a lot more in the book. So, you know, you broached the subject of uh, lid up, lid down. Uh, dare I take us down the path of charcoal or propane? <laughs> sure, we can go there. <laughs> um, well, not surprisingly, I like both, um, and, and I really mean that honestly. And it, I'm lucky because I have both, so I can kind of pick my grill depending upon my burger or whatever else, whether it's a steak or a chicken breast or, you know, the recipe. You know, basically, the charcoal has more flavor. It has more smokiness to it. So if you want that in your food, then absolutely, that's the way to go. Then there's the whole other issue of, of just the experience of working the charcoal, which can be enormously gratifying. I'm sure a lot of the guys listening can relate to that, and I can too. I wrote a whole book on charcoal grilling, and it's probably my favorite to date because it's just such a gratifying experience. But having said all that, you know, there are times when you might not want a whole lot of smokiness in your food and you might want, you know, the convenience of just firing up that gas grill. So personally, I'm, I'm glad there are both. And I don't see why we have to have one or the other. Are you a, a divot in the middle pusher guy or is that kind of a, a myth? You know, it's it works pretty well. Um, <laughs> I'm a little tired of it as a technique. I mean, it seems like every article that comes out on burgers shows this thing, and um, I've been seeing it now for 15 years or so. So to me, it's sort of old news, but it helps a little bit, um, particularly if the meat is sort of tight and it tends to create that sort of meatball effect where you get this dome. Um, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, is the, the meat itself and your technique on the grill you know, flipping the burger only once, that's another big rule for me. Um, if you're flipping it more than that, you're asking for trouble. You know, it's probably going to stick and fall apart. Uh, you're probably going to lose a lot more juice that way. You're not going to get as good a char on the outside. So I'm a one-flip kind of guy. In regards to that uh, one flipping, and, and obviously I think people, especially the novices or, or the beginners, get into that. Uh, you know, they put the meat down on the grill, and then all of a sudden they're after it three seconds later with a spatula moving it around, breaking it apart, as you said. But I think there's kind of that uh, innate concern on their part that if they don't flip it 15 times, that it's not going to cook through all the way, or, or this is the only way to get it to cook evenly. In regards to that, do you shoot for internal temperatures? Are you cooked by time, cooked by feel? How do you tell when it's done? I cook mostly by time. Yeah. I mean, I've done this so long now that I can kind of just have an internal clock, um, but you can use your watch too. I mean, basically a three quarter inch burger is going to take about eight or nine minutes. So you turn it after four and um, you can just look at it too. You can tell and you can touch it. It'll, it'll fir obviously firms up a little bit as it cooks. So um, I do all that, but if people are new to it, um, as I once was, I mean, there was a day when I was using a thermometer on a burger, and that's fine to do. You know, shoot for about 160, particularly if you're not quite sure where the meat came from. Um, but, you know, the irony is those guys who talk about having to flip it again and again because they're not sure it's going to cook through. That, if they're flipping it again and again, the lid necessarily has to be open, right? Right. So that's slowing down the whole process. Uh, so if they would just leave it alone, close the lid, and let it go, it would be cooking faster, and it would be better. 
One last question here before I let you go. And again, we're, we're, I know we're broaching all sorts of uh, controversial burger topics. I mean, you know, we'll probably get shut down by the internets here in a second. Um, I know people that will specifically go to a restaurant or, or maybe it's their own house and they will not take a burger over medium rare. I mean, we're not talking about steak here, but we're talking about ground meat. Uh, do you have a uh, aversion to, to those people that like the, the medium rare burger? Do you think that's like an unsafe thing? Uh, no, at a good restaurant where you know exactly where the meat came from and maybe they've ground it themselves. I mean, they're, maybe they're grinding up, you know, ribeye back there or, or, uh, or a brisket or something else. And so in a restaurant, absolutely have it any way you like. For the cookbooks, I, you know, I, I, I have to call for, for 160 because who knows where somebody's going to get it. They may go down to the you know, 7-Eleven and pick up something that's been in there for three weeks. So um, I've got to play it safe. But sure, you can have a medium rare burger in a restaurant. Absolutely. If somebody were to say, Jamie, I'm cooking burgers tonight, what's your, your favorite go-to burger? <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I'm looking at a ginger scallion burger here, which is sort of a non-traditional burger. And again, that's sort of the emphasis of this book. It's, yep. it's actually a mixture of beef and pork um, with ginger and scallions, obviously, and a lot of other Asian ingredients, sesame and soy and and it's actually topped with a, uh, a sesame spinach, which probably sounds kind of weird to some people out there. But um, <laughs> this is this is sort of the, the way burgers are going. I don't think anyone is is abandoning the classics. And I have you know the bacon cheeseburger with the guacamole and all that stuff, and it's fabulous. But I think the future of burgers, you know, lies in this world of um, Things like ginger scallion with sesame spinach. It's, uh, it's really, really good. I had it just a couple nights ago. And this is obviously something that, uh, or, or at least along the lines you're going to be able to find in the book. Is there a uh, special place or, or an easiest place that people can buy Weber's Big Book of Burgers? Well, you'll find it anywhere books are sold. Um, you know, big bookstores, little bookstores, certainly online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go right to Weber.com and pick it up there. Actually, there's a site there that has some of the recipes, little video from me, whoop, whoop. And, uh, um, you know, it gives you a little sample of what you can expect. Um, so it, it's pretty easily available. I'm glad to say it's selling really well. We're already into our second printing after about a month, so right. that's always a good sign. People are buying it. It's Jamie Proviance. He has written the new book, Weber's Big Book of Burgers. And we're actually going to be uh, giving a copy away here at the top of next hour. Uh, but go get yours now in case you don't win tonight. Jamie, uh, good luck with the book. Sounds like it's doing very well right now. And, uh, man, we'll look for you again soon. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. It's been great. I've I enjoyed it. Let's do it again. Thanks. And I will uh, hold you to that, uh, Jamie Provides. Uh, check out the new book, Weber's Big Book of Burgers. Man, you remember last year, right, when uh, I think of, oh, uh, uh, what's the name Team that went down to the Jack Daniels like 78 times in a row, not Jack's Old South. Uh, Chris Hart's IQ, like him and Andy Husbands came out with that burger book. And then uh, Ted Reeder had a burger book, and everybody was doing burger books. This year, eh, not so much. Jamie kind of cornering that market, I guess one could say. So appreciate him. You can weigh in on the burger segment 
talk next segment. It's open. 216-220-0966. All right, folks. uh, Father's Day is coming up. Need a great gift idea for Dad. How about a Cook Shack smoker or pellet grill? Man, Dad would be a barbecue genius with the easy-to-use smokers and pellet grills. Now until until June 13th, you can save 10% off the list price of any Cook Shack residential electric smoker. Fast Eddie's by Cook Shack, FEC 100, or pellet grills. That savings is up to $419, depending on the unit. The Smokehead, the Smokehead Elite, the Super Smoker Elite, and the AmeriQ are the electric smokers that make it easy to add real wood smoke to your foods. They are inexpensive to operate and energy efficient. The PG-1000 and PG-500 pellet grills use four-zone cooking and pellet broil technology. The FEC 100 is the choice of many championship barbecue teams on all of the circuits, guaranteed to hold enough barbecue for all your friends and family. All of their products come with a no-risk, 30-day money-back guarantee. You know what that means? No risk on your part. Take it, try it out, run around for 30 days, and if you don't like it, send it back. You get your money back. No risk on your part. Call now. To order online... Use the promo code DAD14, D-A-D-1-4, when you check out at CookShack.com or give them a call, 800-423-0698, and tell their friendly sales staff you want the DAD14 deal. And you heard it about here on the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe they'll throw in an extra bottle of something. Again, that code, whether you're doing it online at CookShack.com or if you call in DAD14, 800-423-0698. And again, the code is DAD14. With a Cook Shack smoker or pellet grill, you can celebrate barbecue every day. Because this deal ends Friday, June 13th. So hurry up. Again, that promo code is DAD14. Good folks over at Cook Shack. All right, uh, we're opening it up to you next segment. Stick around. We'll be right back. Seven seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. Two one six two two zero zero nine six six. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. Oh. I don't know how to make it any bigger than that. I don't know. Trying to mess around with my picture. Can't do it. Uh, John Dawson writing in, Ramps, I am watching Barbecue Pit Wars on Destination America, and I can't help but think that barbecue is the only American sport, air quotes, that occasionally requires English subtitles. (laughs) That's right, John. 
I know what you're talking about. Uh, have we lost video? Have we lost video? I don't know. I think we're all right. Make sure my check marks are up. My check marks are up. I should be good. Alan, refresh, and maybe I'll be right back. All right, uh, if you want to jump in on the show tonight, this is the time to do it also in about an hour from now, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Uh, for instance, here's an email calling uh, calling. Here's an email calling in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here's an email being written by Eugene Apicella. Hey, Greg, I thought you'd like to know. I finally started climbing outside of the box this past weekend. In addition to the usual fare on the grill, we did grilled peaches with honey ricotta. Look at you. Look out. Looking forward to the show later this evening, Gene Apicella. All right, let's race to the hotlines and calling in from the great nation of Boise, Idaho. It is Patio Daddio himself, John Dawson. John, what's up, buddy? What is up, Mr. Rempe? Hey, well, I was just uh, telling everybody about your witty remarks on Barbecue Pit War TV. (laughs) Oh, the stump meister. He always kills me, man. Well, I think you have uh, what people would call an enigma because he is uh, quite the pit builder. He is indeed, but the dude, I don't, I have to actually read the subtitles to know what the boy is saying most of the time. So. Yeah, I hear you. So, uh, what is happening over in the Boise? Not a whole lot. I, I didn't have a. Anything specific to talk about, I just wanted to call you up and thank you for all you do for barbecue, and I listen every week, and I don't think you probably get enough uh, enough appreciation for what you do, so I just oh. thought I'd take the opportunity to call in and do just that. Thank you, John. Appreciate you. Um, now, look, let me ask you a quick question, because I know uh, from time to time you're getting after that uh, pit barrel cooker, and uh, I have one of those. Uh, I get let's say four or five emails a week on that particular one on the, on the pit barrel cooker and look for people to ask me. It's one thing, but uh, you're obviously a, a, a venerable food blogger as it were. You've been in and outside of that thing for a number of times. I mean, in your opinion, when you would compare it to maybe one you could make yourself or something comparable in the charcoal cooker range. Uh, I mean, how good of a piece of equipment is that? Well, I'll, I'll just give it to you straight. Um, I have a WSM, an 18 and a half inch on my patio. I have a, uh, what I call Black Betty old school, uh, smoke and pit Brinkman before they cheaped out and went to China. I have two, uh, custom, um, W or a, uh, UDSs that I used for competition back in, I think starting in 08. And let me just put it this way. The only pit I have lit this entire year and probably half of last year is the, is the pit barrel. Really? Really. Wow. And that includes, that includes competition where I took my very first grand championship. I cooked on two pit barrels and that was it. And, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a fanboy, and not because I'm um, friends with Noah, but just because the thing. I mean, every time I go to cook, yesterday I cooked some three-inch monster caribouda pork chops for uh, Memorial Ooh. Day, and there was no question of what I was going to put them on. Um, so it's just, it's just hands down my go-to cooker, and only because it performs, not because I'm getting any money from it. Just this is what I cook on. So, 
John, you, you broach a great subject that I, I want to hit on here, and this is uh, this caribou to pork. So, look, the, was it three years ago or four years ago or, or whatever the season one of Barbecue Pitmasters that everybody trashed until season two came out, and then it was the gold standard of Barbecue Pitmaster TV. But uh, Myron was uh, kept talking about the, the Wagyu brisket, and more and more I'm hearing caribou to pork. I don't think it's really hit the fevered pitch as... Uh, the brisket portion, uh, or the brisket counterpart did, but, you know, as somebody who has a, a pretty seasoned palate and you've worked with a lot of meats, uh, what's like, why would I want to think about getting a, a caribou to pork? What separates it from uh, pork chops? Well, uh, I'll give you just a, in the, at the risk of being a little uh, meatheadish on you, I'll give you a little bit of kind of history of how we got to where we are. Pork used to be the way caribou is now. And then the, that whole, the, the other white meat thing came out where pork was trying to compete with chicken. So they essentially bred all the fat out of the hogs and made them be white meat to the point where a pork tenderloin literally has at just about as much, if not less fat than a chicken breast does. So, so everything is, I believe has come full circle to where now people want to know, want to eat pork the way it used to be back in the day when I ate it as a kid in Ohio. And, and caribou is just that it tastes like pork used to taste. So I realize some people won't have a frame of reference to know what that is, but, um, that's kind of how it was sold to me. Um, I've recently partnered in the interest of full disclosure with Snake River Farms. So, um, they've given me some caribou So, uh, it's a little pricier. Well, actually, it can be a lot pricier, but it's it's old school pork. It's the best way I can describe it. In terms of like flavor, is it just more of like a, a richness? Um, is it sweeter? Like what are what are just some of the basic uh, profiles that jump off to you when you put uh, that in your mouth versus the the standard other white meat stuff? It is richer. Um, that would be the first thing that you would notice, and uh, that is because it has more marbling in it and it's just a you know i don't here's a tip anybody who's buying pork when you're in there looking at the meat case i don't care if it's caribou or just grocery store pork whatever it is the darker the meat the darker red the better it is pink pork is not good not your friend red pork is your friend so caribou is imagine the difference between white meat chicken and dark meat chicken and that is about the best way I can kind of put the rubber on the road and say that, that caribou to pork is almost all of that dark meat that you get like around the bone. It's just richer. It's, it's just juicier. It's, as you would say, more succulent. Ooh, succulent, so, yeah. Do you, uh, do, you, do, you, do you have to treat it any different on the cooking side of things, or is it the same no matter what? I don't treat it any different. Um, I haven't made any you know scientific experiments to see if it cooks faster or hotter or slower or whatever but it i just treat it like pork and um like for example those three inch chops that i cut um from a a prime rib of pork which may sound kind of odd um (laughs) it's a it's seven pounds it's got about seven bones in it and i cut them double thick you know double two bones per chop and they cooked on the pit barrel on the grate i didn't hang them in about about 45 minutes. So um, 
They're just, it's just outstanding. So it's one of those things you don't know until you try it, but I will warn people that once you try it, you'll be spoiled. It's kind of like going to Wagyu beef versus grocery store beef. It's the same kind of deal as you alluded to earlier. What are you looking at? Like in a, I'm sure you don't have like what regular pork per pound cost versus what the, what the snake river farm stuff, but I mean, percentage wise, like how much more would you think you would be paying uh, for the, the good stuff versus the run of the mill? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I can tell you, and this is, don't quote me on this. Someone will have to check their site. Um, go to snickerfarms.com or whatever it is. And I believe that these seven pound caribouda prime rib of pork, I believe they're 75 bucks each. Wow. So, you know, so you figure it's going to be, you know, a pound a serving. You're looking at, you know, 10 bucks a serving. Yeah. So. Ten bucks a pound versus what three ninety nine a pound, maybe four ninety. You know, meat prices are crazy now, as I'm sure you know, and everybody well, else knows too. So, yeah. How was uh, How was Memorial Day, John? Memorial Day was good. My fam- my wife and I and family are about ready to move into a new uh, new patio, daddio, la casa. So we're kind of in the mad moving thing, and you know, I think we all know why move is a four letter word because it's brittle. So. It was as good as it could have been under the circumstances, let's put it that way. Good. All right. Well, uh, John, I appreciate the impromptu interview here, and uh, maybe you've inspired me to actually spend some of the Barbecue Central funds on some caribou to pork. You know what I'll do? I'll see if I can uh, some twist some arms and see if I can get you one sent your way. So I'll, no promises, but I'll see what I can do. Hey, rule three, if it's free as me, you know that's right. That's right, John. That's right, baby. <laughs> All right, John, appreciate you calling in, man. Peace, brother. There he is. John Dawson, Patio Daddio Barbecue. You can uh, check him out at patiodaddiobbq.com. You know, I've always thought that, well, I th- I think, oh, man, was it a year ago, maybe two years ago, year-end review type stuff, and then we were speculating. I-, I think Chad Ward was actually on that show as well once, and we were, like, speculating. It was either beginning of the year speculating what was going to be happening over the course of the year to come or it was right at the end of the year and we were speculating into what was going to be popular in the year to come and i was like well i think um caribou to pork is going to be the next big thing you know you saw the wagyu stuff and uh Really blow up. Still very popular right now. you got a couple different manufacturers that are doing uh, Wagyu that kind of jump right off the tip of the tongue. Strube being one of them. Obviously, uh, the company that John talked about, the Snake River Farms being one of them. And, of course, there's a number of other ones, but those are the two you know, real big ones that jump off to me. And I said, you know what? I think the more and more you see these um, higher-end beef producers gain success, they're going to want to add products of the portfolio, bring something new to the market, and that uh, Berkshire hog or the, the Caribouda hog is going to be probably the next big thing that hits. However, it would seem to be still at this point, and I'm going to guess that the overwhelming majority of competition cooks, whether it be Memphis Barbecue Network or Florida Barbecue Association or KCBS or, uh, you know, whoever, uh, IBCA, the ooh, IBCA doesn't do pork. Sorry about that, boys. <laughs> Wait, no, they do. They do ribs, right? They don't do pulled pork. They do uh, brisket and uh, ribs and chicken halves, I believe is what it is. Um, 
Maybe it's a, a phase yet to uh, garner attention. We'll see. Uh, let me see if I can pull this picture up. This is a badass picture right here. This is coming in from uh, Jason King. Wow, this thing looks absolutely spectacular. Who wants this burger? Look at you. Oh, my lordy lord. That looks like a homemade Big Mac burger, if I've ever seen one. And it looks absolutely succulent. Uh, Jason King, one pound Big Mac. Thought it would be a good idea driving home last night. And it was success. Good job, Jason. Thanks for sharing that picture. Oh, man. A few people on the audio stream. Too bad, folks. You missed out on the really nice picture of the Big Mac. Uh, By the way, I'm getting some questions here through the email asking me again, where can you buy the Jamie Proviance book? Uh, As he had said before, if you have a bookstore by you, if you still use bookstores... Go there, Weber's Big Book of uh, Burgers. You can go to Weber.com. You can uh, probably find it on uh, Amazon. They have everything. If you have Prime, it ships to you for free, even though they've raised the price of Prime. Not going to get into that. You know, one of the things that I did want to ask Jamie when I had him on, we'll probably talk about it the next time, is um, the tradition of book writing. You know, 10 years ago, well, I mean, shit, he's been in it uh, 15 years now or so with uh, Weber specifically writing books for them and growing and growing and, and you know how has he seen the book writing portion the business of book writing you know is it something that he feels is is that going to be dying off at some point because the technology and the ability for one to self-publish nowadays markedly easier than it was a five or even ten years ago you know i could go out and publish my own book if i wanted to uh, when we were at the Kingsford Invitational, there were people on the bus that were writing their own ebooks at the at the facility. So you have the ability to self-publish. All right, uh, let me talk to you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, known for their amazing, wide, sweeping selection of cookers, sauces, rubs, and all the things for both the uh, backyard cook and the serious competition cooking team. They sell the Big Green Eggs, obviously, the Kamado Joe, the Primo Ceramics. Looking for pellet cookers? They got them. How about Mac and Green Mountain Pellet Grills? How about all of the Weber Grills and Smokers, as well as Meadow Creek Smokers and Cookers? Also one of the largest barbecue dealer, uh, barbecue guru dealers in the country. And known for their ability to offer professional and amateur cooking classes featuring well-known chefs like Harry Sue, Todd Johns, Dan Hickson, the like and the list goes on of course uh, when you talk about amateur and he's no amateur he's an award-winning cook himself smoking guitar player fred bernardo hosting a backyard competition or backyard barbecue cooking classes also uh, he is steeped in the uh, tradition of pizza making as well so if you ever wanted to learn how to make a pizza smoking guitar player is the place to go i mean he knows his stuff and he's got the equipment to Make sure that your pizza game is up to par. So call Fred Bernardo, um, 800-677-2882, or just go over to your internet and look them up at tastylicksbbq.com. And don't forget, Smoking Tar Player has over 150 cooking videos, probably more by now. They're all on his website. A lot of them doesn't even try to sell you anything. Just spitting mad game. Trying to help you be a better cook because that's what Fred is really interested in. Well, that and selling product. Uh, again, it's Tasty Lakes Barbecue Supply in beautiful downtown Shillington, Pennsylvania. 
And again, the website is tastylicksbbq.com, 800-677-2882. Point of commentary, injected with Dave Bosk and Butcher Barbecue uh, beef injection, used Fred Bernardo's Black Bart brisket rub, and it was highly tasty. Highly tasty. I did approve. And so did the masses. Eating beef. I also made a couple pork butts. It was really good. So get some of that rub too. TastyLicksBBQ.com, 800-677-2882. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Two one six two two zero zero nine six six. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. To its contact information. This will be a very short segment as we uh, make way for the second hour. You tell me caribou to pork on your list to try in the next week or two? The next big cookout? Dude. What happened to my role? I'm like way behind on the, the chat stuff here. What happened? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, Jason, it looked like a wonderful burger. I do not have a handlebar mustache in the making. Absolutely not. And I'll thank you to never say that again, Blake Moody. My goodness. All right, uh, we'll step away for the reload of hour number two. Stephen Reichland coming up in the second hour. Open segment at 1035. Your questions shall be answered should you have them. Uh, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around, we'll be right back. to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to fine how's it going <laughs> you have a great show i'm a big fan so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle charbono it's all about the charbono dude Succulent fish, what? We ate Vinci for wiener. But listen, Lavernius, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. 
I know. And we're back in the second hour. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Uh, this is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about things like barbecue and grilling. You can do it, too. If you use those uh, two bits of contact. I didn't feed the cat. Have you fed the cat? Well, the cat is not mine to feed. I think, quite honestly, it's nobody's cat. It's been taken in from the wild. Ooh, that's gross. Kitty litter's the worst. Literally that. Uh, still to come on the show tonight, as I mentioned before, we got out for the top of the second hour. Stephen Reichland, grilling icon. Mogul. Book mogul. Open segment at 1035, so if you got something you want to get off on, more than happy to have you at that point. Uh, coming up on the show next week, of course, we have uh, the first Tuesday of every month guest, Dr. Barbecue, right? Also, I think somebody that you uh, might have an interest in, a gentleman by the name of Roland Neal. We'll be talking about his unique brand of barbecue sauce and how he might be the first or the third oldest barbecue sauce in the country. Uh, Something like over 80 years old or whatever the case may be. Number of years in the industry. Uh, He's in the Hotlanta area and he's got a mustard sauce slash tomato paste-based sauce. You know, you get into that type of thing, that's very regional, hyper-regional, as I like to say. Uh, The Sam's Club 2014 series continues to roll on. As a matter of fact, I'm pulling up the results right now. Uh, By the way, hold on. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Barbecue is brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, 31 cities. 500000 in cash to be won, plus eternal bragging rights if you win the whole thing. And uh, there's a, another Sam's event coming up very soon. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you when the next Sam's Club event is coming up. Uh, here we go. View schedule. I'm just hooking up on the worldwide internets. Uh, the 31st, it is going to be in Marietta, Georgia. That's this coming weekend. If you are interested in registering registering, registering your team to compete, or if you just want to follow along, visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Again, that's kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. All right, uh, so this past Saturday on the 24th, there was a contest in Hendersonville, Tennessee. This feeds into the South Haven, Mississippi regional final. And taking this one, reserve, uh, grand champion Swiggin' Pig, 700 points. Hit him! The other five moving on to the regional final, Smoke Me Silly, Donnie Bray of Warren County Pork Choppers, Fat, Drunk, and Stupid, I'm not kidding. That's his name. I want to interview that guy. 
Number five, there's no place like smoke. And rounding out the top six, here's a very original name. Barry and Erica. Barry and Erica. Why not? Again, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia will see your next Sam's Club championship. So, or your next Sam's Club uh, local event. So, if you are down in that area, I think if you've never, if you, you know, I think, it, man, it's, has it been three years already? There was a Sam's Club local event in Canton, which is uh, roughly an hour and loose change here from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. I made it a point to stop down there and. I'll tell you what, I was pleasantly surprised with, um, you know, the teams and uh, what they had. I mean, you know, it's not like a carnival, but uh, they had uh, Michael McDearman doing the high heat grilling stuff. They had Troy Black doing the, um, what do you call it, the barbecue side of things. And then, of course, you know, I kind of knew some teams, so I was able to get some samples of awesome barbecue. And it was great. I mean, we're probably down there, you know, two, three hours and had a great time. So if, you know, you're kind of around a Sam's Club event, you're not going to want to take part in it, but you want to just kind of go around with the foot traffic. I think it kind of uh, gives you a good idea of what it's like to see a competition go down and and really see some top teams that are out there looking to kind of move through the ranks of uh, how Sam's Club is set up. So, and again, if you want to follow that, kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Let's give away, you know what, we'll save the book giveaway to 1035, so stick around for that. But let me talk to you quickly about this thing. Does anybody, or or has anybody heard of this uh, antisocial alcoholic drink to be sold in cans ready for barbecue season? Yes, a Buckfast tonic wine. What is the perfect barbecue drink? Pim's. Gin and tonic, cider, cold, fortified wine. The cheap alcohol drink Buckfast Tonic Wine is to be repackaged over the next few months as a canned drink ready for the summer barbecue season. For those unaware of Buckfast, it is a drink infamous in Scotland for its close relationship with violent street crime and underage drinking. I'll take 10. Nickname Bucky, of course, this 15% alcohol per volume is produced by Benedictine monks and a Buckfast Abbey in Devon. The drink is not only very alcoholic, but it is highly caffeinated, a seemingly deadly combination when involved in youth culture. Uh, The glass bottles themselves have been known to be used as weapons as they litter the streets of most Scottish towns and cities. This is what it looks like if you're watching the video feed. Uh, Buckfast, obviously, it's obviously very high dollar. It has the screw cap on top of it. Only the finest vintage of Buckfast wine will do, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And again, 15% uh, for those who, you know, aren't a wine snobs. You know, your traditional up to decent uh, bottle of wine is probably floating somewhere between 11 and 12, maybe 13% alcohol. This bottle of wine is in 15%. Buckfast wine probably has a very close relationship 
with that uh, highly alcoholic and caffeinated drink for loco. Uh-oh. Here in the States, people are like, well, you're showing a Scotland drunkard wine, fortified wine. Uh, where I come from, fortified wine is called vermouth. Doesn't go bad ever. Fortified wine, fortified spirit. I don't even know what the hell that means. Except for the fact that it's 15% alcohol over in Scotland. Here, if you want to do it, and it's outlawed in many states now, it's for loco. It probably comes in more palatable flavors because here in America, we take our drinking and alcoholism seriously. It's a full-time job. Not that crap wine. How weird or potentially ironic or not ironic at all is it that Benedictine monks are making drunk wine to be disseminated across the streets of Scotland for youth to inhale and then turn that bottle around and club somebody in the head with it starting a malay in the streets. I don't know. I find that to be incredibly irresponsible of the monks. I mean, I know they like wine just like the next guy, but maybe maybe we found something else going on that we should all be a little bit more conscious about. The high alcohol, high caffeinated, fortified wine that the monks are generating over in Scotland. Oh, money penny. Get me a bottle of Buckfast wine. That was my Sean Cobb. Thank you very much. Stephen Reichlin coming up next. I'll be talking about El Diablo. The mustard. The mustard that bites back. Features six spicy. And when I say spicy, I mean spicy. Fiery flavors to tantalize your taste buds and fuel the fire in your mouth at your next barbecue roasted chipotle. All that good stuff. Look, El Diablo was born a few years ago when its creator wanted to turn ordinary mustard into the hottest on earth. They plugged the, uh, they pushed the boundaries when adding fiery habanero, roasted uh, chipotle, flaming jalapeno, spicy mango into the mustard. So powerful, so hot, intense that even the devil himself couldn't resist it. El Diablo was born. El Diablo features six bold flavors currently. They're hot as hell. Mango is a bit of island heat. Beats sweet with real mango puree and a slow tingling heat. Roasted chipotle adds a kick of southwest and peppery mustard and a smoky chipotle puree for a nice slow heat. Steakhouse adding hearty flavor with a zing of Worcestershire and dare I say maybe a hint of clove in there as well. Garlic. Um, Texas chili makes any hot dog an instant chili dog. And I can attest to that this weekend as well. Uh, Hints of garlic, cumin, and paprika. Jalapeno pops with real jalapeno puree and a mustard zing. Try it on some hot bacon. And then habanero for you hotheads. A flavor inferno for you daring types that want all heat all day. So get grilling and add some heat to your meat. Connect with El Diablo on the Facebook for recipes, tips, and giveaways. Bold flavors, great taste, hot as hell. As I had mentioned over this past weekend... Look, I, uh, the jalapeno mustard is uh, tops for me. Uh, I've tried a number of different ones uh, for overall use, everyday use, multiple use ability. Jalapeno is absolutely great. I put it on my cold cut sandwich that I took to lunch today at work. I had a turkey ham and salami with Swiss cheese. 
on the wheat bread because I'm keeping it healthy. And man, I put a large swath of jalapeno mustard on there. And because I like, you know, I like that burn when I'm eating my lunch. And it doesn't disappoint. And the flavor's good, too. Mustard flavor's still pushing through. Because that's what I want. I want the jalapeno to overtake everything. ElDiabloMustard.com. That's ElDiabloMustard.com. We're back with Stephen Reichland right after this. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. And for a limited time, anyone that mentions the Barbecue Central Show in the comments box when placing an order will get a free CookinPellets.com hat. $20 value. Good on all orders. Placed over the next few weeks. Just to mention... The Barbecue Central Show when you order cookingpellets.com. All right, my next guest here once a month talks about hot topics in the industry, book wise, probably one of the most successful writers in the industry of barbecue and grilling of all time. Let's go ahead and race back to the hotline and welcome Stephen Reichland to the show. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Appreciate you asking and uh, making time here for the show tonight. Uh, where are we catching you this fine evening? Well, I'm uh, on my way into Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, for the upcoming session of Barbecue University. Well, this is a very exciting uh, class. Uh, Barbecue University is obviously uh, well-known. I mean, you've done it any number of years now. Uh, What kind of prep do you have to put in far in advance to have a successful show or have a successful class come off? Well, first of all, uh, planning the menu. And... uh, you know, it may seem like we're cooking a meal every day, but in fact, I plan a curriculum that covers all five methods of live fire cooking that offers a mixture of traditional American barbecue, of global grilling, of edge grilling. Uh, we want to cover all the major food groups, all the protein groups. And this year, uh, we're going to be doing some really exciting stuff we've never done in barbecue at Barbecue University before. In including making bacon and making pastrami from scratch. So that's sort of the first piece of it. Uh, the second piece is bringing in exciting grills because one of the opportunities that we offer our students is a chance to test drive everything from a commonplace uh, Weber kettle all the way up to a 15,000 stainless steel gas super grill like the Kalamazoo. We have a Twin Eagles, uh, Twin Eagles gas grill coming in. Uh, we've got awesome pellet grills coming in, smokers. Uh, it's really an opportunity uh, for people to experience the best grills on the planet. 
You know, I'm glad you brought up the grills because I've seen pictures of the class. I've had a couple friends uh, attend that uh, that write, and, and they've uh, been able to take that class and really talk about those grills. And one of the ones that really sticks out to me, I mean, obviously the ranch kettle is always impressive, but one that really sparks my interest even more than that is, uh, I believe it's the one that's made by Grillery. It's kind of like that gaucho uh, grill where you're, you have, you're building a live fire off on one side and you're shoveling the coals out and actually cooking them on the other. Uh, what's your take on, on that grill, and is that one that uh, people should really consider adding to the arsenal. Oh, yeah, that's a really popular grill. It's a wood-burning grill. Um, it's uh, modeled, as you said, on the Argentinian-style grill, which means it has it possesses three sort of unusual features. Um, and number one is the grill grates are uh, V-shaped, they're grooved, which are designed uh, to catch the, the fat and keep it from falling on the fire. The second interesting thing about that grill is it has a flywheel to raise and lower the grates. And the third thing is that it, uh, it, it burns exclusively wood. I mean, sometimes we use a little charcoal to get the wood started, but uh, we cook solely on wood with it. So you get, you know, kind of in, this, in our field, we have a tendency to frame the debate as gas versus charcoal. But in point... In point of fact, for me, where the flavor really resides is uh, with, uh, with wood grilling. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website. Of course, if you want to check him out uh, during the show, after the show, more than welcome to, to check that out. You know, Stephen, when you started Barbecue University, and fast forward here to, to 2014, did you realize that you were going to be able to sustain this over over this many years? Did you think that there was going to be this kind of an interest? And perhaps the better question is, how have you seen interest grow from those first couple classes, you know, to a, a 2013 or a potential 2014 class nowadays? Well, um, you know, to answer your question, uh, did I anticipate its, uh, its continued success and that we'd be in something like our 15th year? I don't know that I thought about it. But uh, every year so far, knocking on wood very loudly, we have managed to uh, run with a waiting list only. And uh, in terms of changes, uh, I think when I first started, there was some sort of a greater female population, in part maybe because women were more accustomed to taking cooking classes than men were. Uh, interestingly, in the last couple of years, I've seen uh, a younger demographic. We're starting to get young guys in, uh, who want to take their grilling up to the next level, certainly a much greater sophistication. When I started, I had to explain to, to people what indirect grilling was. and I mean, that was sort of a new and shocking uh, concept. <laughs> uh, you know, <coughs> today, most of our students own multiple grills. Many of them own smokers. Um, uh, People are very conversant with global growing. They're very conversant with brining techniques. So, um, so you know, as Americans become more, more and more sophisticated about grilling, I think so of our students. Uh, Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. Uh, Memorial Day, obviously, weekend has, has just passed. And, you know, that kind of, I, I guess, signifies to a lot of people still that grilling season is now on. And, you know, each year, uh, perhaps, do you think that there is a, a larger percentage of people that are grilling all year round, especially, you know, here in, in Cleveland and some of the, uh, the 
the areas that go through the the thermal cycles uh, than there was 10 years ago? Or do you still see a lot of people that might be the, okay, we'll bring it out in Memorial Day and we put the grill back in Labor Day and, and that's only when we're going to grill? Well, I think there's no, there's, no, there's no question and there's statistics to back it up that more and more Americans are grilling year-round. <laughs> that being said, you know, it was a very tough winter uh, all across the frost, uh, the frost belt yep. in the Northeast. So, uh, you know, people can certainly be excused if they took a break. Uh, of course, don't forget the biggest areas of population growth are Florida, the Southwest, Southern California. So those a priori uh, are areas where people can and do grow year-round. Since we are now in the uh, prototypical grilling season here over the next number of months, uh, for people that might want to kind of outfit the arsenal with some new stuff, uh, do you have a, a list or a suggestion of best tools to have uh, to kind of really gear up for a good season? Well, it's funny. You're about the 20th person that has asked me this. I've done so many essential tool <laughs> lists. But I'll tell you what. I'll give, them, <laughs> pardon me, I'll give you my five essentials. And then I'll tell you uh, some, some sort of fun stuff uh, for grilling. So among the five essentials, uh, let's see, a long-handled stiff wire grill brush for cleaning your grate, spring-loaded uh, uh, long-handled tongs, and I'm, of course, partial to the best of barbecue tongs, uh, uh, which I manufacture because they have a little flashlight built into the handle, which makes it easy to see at night. Uh, I think everybody, if you're a charcoal griller, you need a chimney starter. And if you're not a charcoal griller, uh, you might want to think about investing in a charcoal grill, even if it's inexpensive, because charcoal, it's very easy to smoke on a charcoal grill. Almost impossible to smoke on a gas grill. Let's see what else. Instant read heat thermometer so you can test the dumbness of food. That is very important. Uh, you want to get yourself a pair of suede gloves or welder's gloves, again, because you're going to be handling hot, uh, hot food uh, and hot, especially hot utensils, you want to protect your hands. Now, in terms of some of the more fun and whimsical items, uh, I manufacture this thing called a shellfish grate, and it's designed for when you go to cook, cook, uh, grill clams and oysters. It holds the shells upright, so you keep the juices. I use it all the time in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, I've been doing a lot of salt plate grilling. That's not really a utensil, although I use it as such, because you take a salt, uh, you know the old brick chicken, chicken under a brick pulled on matone? Yeah. Well, you can use a salt brick, uh, a salt slab instead of a brick, and you get an absolutely incredible uh, flavor. So that's really cool. Let's see, what else? Rib racks are always fun. Uh, chili pepper roasters, we've done a lot of that. Uh, uh, I'll tell you a, a, a tool that is not actually um, a grill tool, but I've been using it like crazy on my book tour for my new book, Man Made Meals, and that is a smoking gun. And a smoking, are you familiar with the smoking gun? Uh, I've only seen it online. I've actually never seen one work in person. And I'm, I'm these I'm, things are absolutely awesome. I mean, <laughs> sort of think of it as a bong for barbecue guys. You put hickory or cherry chips uh, in one side. You switch it on, and it blasts an incredible blast of wood smoke 
out a tube that you can then put into a Bloody Mary or a Manhattan. Uh, you can use it to smoke desserts. You can use it to smoke butter. It's really cool. Um, so I've been... For, forgive, I'm sorry. forgive my ignorance here, but I'm like, how how are you getting it into a, a drink or, or into a food? Well, what you do is, let's say, if you're making a pitcher of Bloody Marys, uh, you cover the top of the pitcher with plastic wrap, leaving just enough room for this rubber tube. You insert the rubber tube, and then you, as soon as the pitcher fills up with smoke, you pull out the tube and you uh, completely cover the uh, cover the pitcher, and you leave it sit for about four to six minutes. And I mean, the smoke flavor is amazing. You would use that for butter. You would use it for cream. It's uh, you know coming back to when it's too cold to smoke outside. I've been really blown away with it. I know it's sort of a little bit of departure from what you do, but, you know, I, I love pushing the envelope any way I can. Uh, I was just over in Europe last month researching my next book, which is going to be a book on smoking, and I saw people doing some incredible things with smoke, like smoking over juniper wood. Well, we sort of believe that, you know, the piney woods and the piney family, you know, smoke with them because of the high resin content, but i got to tell you, Salmon smoked over juniper wood or a ham smoked over juniper wood. One of the most delicious things you'll ever put in your mouth. Are you continually surprised that for as many times as you have been around the globe and and perhaps similar air, maybe not the same place, but similar regions, that every time you whirl back around, you're finding something new or, or discovering something that you haven't already yet? I mean, you're you're the guy that has traveled the barbecue trail probably 15 times now. Um, you know, I'm surprised. I'm delighted. Uh, I think it's a combination of going to new places. Uh, this trip, uh, I, uh, I went to Sweden, which I hadn't been to since college. I, uh, went to Denmark. I visited different, a different part of Italy. We went up to the, uh, up in the Dolomites where the food is as much Austrian as it is, uh, Italian. Um, and, but so part of it is sort of new places, but, I think also part of it for me is I've evolved as a food writer and a researcher. I'm looking for different things. You know, previous books I've looked for grilling. This book I'm looking for smoking. Um, I've, uh, you know, I, I, I continue to sort of think think about, I, I refract information, think how can I bring it to my followers in the U.S., North America, and, and even Europe, and, and sort of present it in a way that people can do it at home. So, you know, I mean, one of my mottos in life is uh, try and learn something new every day. And, uh, boy, this trip and this new book have been real eye-openers. Have you seen a uh, an emergence in these other countries of, uh, you know, what we consider to be the, the southern-style barbecue or the American version of barbecue is that starting to make its way, you know, outside of, I know it's pretty big in England and uh, in Netherlands and some of those places, but do you see it reaching out even further than that at this point? Oh, my God, it's huge. Yeah, I was in Toronto uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, the night I launched the book tour, and uh, <coughs> I wound up doing a barbecue crawl, and I visited four barbecue restaurants in one evening, including... It was a first for Stephen Reichland, and that was a vegan-friendly barbecue restaurant <laughs> where they serve uh, <laughs> bean chili, uh, vegan chili, hot out of the smoker. 
where they had this incredible smoked mushroom soup, uh, a mushroom, smoked mushroom burger. I mean, really interesting stuff. Uh, uh, Germans have gone crazy for it, uh, sort of American-style smoking. Um, it's, it's really taken uh, all over Europe, Italians. But what for me is kind of more interesting than that is to see traditional uh, grilling and smoking. And I think there's a certain, certain pride. It's funny, in Germany, I mean, you know, Germany has some of the best grilling in Europe, but it was very localized. And if you went to, if you spoke to someone from Berlin or Munich about Saarbrücken-style Stiefbraten, you know, they'd look at you like you landed from Mars. They just weren't familiar with it. So I think countries now are starting to discover their own grilling and barbecue heritage, which I think is great. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. BarbecueBible.com is the website if you want to check it out. Uh, Stephen, one of the things that I really enjoy uh, cooking, and you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm, I'm in a house with... Uh, three daughters, you know, wife. Uh, I'm a man on an island over here. So, uh, ah. you know, the, the, it's uh, beef barbecue doesn't go over nearly as well as the pork and the chicken barbecue or, or the grill stuff. But uh, you did a post uh, re- probably just recently here on the on your blog at uh, Barbecue Bible about beef ribs, which are one of my most favorite things ever. Uh, we call them steak on a stick. Um, if you can, if you can find them, what's your suggestion on the best way to cook them so you can really maximize its awesomeness? You know, uh, first of all, I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, you, you mentioned the blog because I am really proud of that blog. And if you've never been to my website, man, today is the day to go visit it. Um, we chose beef ribs because, first of all, the reflex is to you know, pork is what people do at home. But there's been a real renaissance in beef ribs. Yep. Uh, on this book tour for man-made meals, I uh, did massive barbecue crawls in Dallas and Houston, uh, in Austin, uh, I told you, in, in Salt Lake City, and I'm seeing more and more beef ribs. People go nuts for beef ribs. So here's what you need to know. There are basically three cuts of beef ribs. The one that is turning it up in the really prestige barbecue place is what's called the beef plate rib. These are the first three bones. Uh, in the uh, cut from the chest, and they are monstrous. They're, each bone weighs two pounds. I mean, one bone will feed <laughs> two people easily. Um, steak on a stick and bean. Uh, and then there's the beef short rib, which is cut from further back. And uh, most of our community will know beef short ribs from uh, the Korean-style barbecue, the kalbi, which cut crosswise and direct grilled, which actually also has an analog in um, in Argentina, where it's called Tierra de Asado. Beautiful picture of it in uh, in my book, How to Grill. Uh, it's sort of how you take a, a, a you take a rib and you turn it into a steak. I mean, it's a quick cook, hot, eat, quick grill. The third rib is uh, the beef long rib, which is actually, if you imagine, a standing prime rib. Right there's a rib piece portion of the rib cage that holds this roast. Well, when you buy it in the store, very often you get what we affectionately call, uh, or not so affectionately call, shiners. Those are uh, a rack of beef ribs, but really with not much meat. The reason is simple. A prime rib or a uh, rib roast sells for a heck of a lot more than beef ribs do. So butchers tend to cut them down as close to the bone as possible. What we advocate there 
is uh, actually buying the whole prime rib, cutting it yourself so you can leave a lot of, uh, you can leave a nice portion of beef on those bones. Then you get two meals from one. In terms of cooking methods, you know, direct grilling, indirect grilling, slow smoking. By the way, at Barbecue University on our first day on uh, Thursday morning, uh, that is the, uh, that's one of our dishes is uh, we're doing the beef plate ribs. Yeah, I've Call seen dinosaur. I've Call seen dinosaur, dinosaur bones. Yeah, yeah, dinosaur. I was just going to say, uh, you know, I see it, it, the oddest place uh, for me to find these, and they have them all the time. Is uh, it's a uh, you know similar to a Sam's Club or you know or Costco, but we have up here in Cleveland, we have a place called BJ's. And uh, they have, they're called the beef chuck short ribs, but they're huge. Yep. They, they seem more like the beef plate rib. And yep. man, these things are, you know, little, little work to get prepped, but, uh, you know, we cook them nice and slow and we don't shrink them down too much off the bone. They are just so uh, amazing in presentation. And then once people get over the visual awesomeness of it, then you actually start to eat them and realize that, uh, you know, pork ribs are great, but this is a whole other avenue that a lot of people really haven't gone down. Oh, man. I mean, a good beef rib will make you want to throw stones at pork ribs, and that is saying something. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Stephen Reichlin, he has a new book out, by the way. We talked about it last month, Man-Made Meals. You can uh, pick up a copy pretty much anywhere. Uh, you find him on this show once a month, and he's getting ready for the latest session of Barbecue University out there in Colorado. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. Hey, it's always fun, Greg. Uh, good talking to you. There he is, Stephen Reichlin, ladies and gentlemen. I get it. Look, between you and me and the fence post, and I know some people were pretty quick on the pickup, seeing me angle for uh, what we would call an invite. Hey, Hey, uh, Stephen. Maybe you should. Hey, I mean, I'm not doing anything. You should, uh, you know, holler at your boy over at the at the uh, at the cook show. You know, I want to mess around with all those grills. You know, I got a lot of. I'm a man who's got a lot of grills, so I don't got that many grills. I would like to mess around with them. I can evaluate, be impartial, talk about it. You know, you call me. You call me. Yo, Steven, this Tracy Morgan. About Barbecue University. I would love it. I would love it. I would talk about it on the show. It would be it would be awesome. All right, folks, let me talk to you about the longest running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. The Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you have been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cookers, then stop here. Buy from the company that invented it. Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I am not a man of minute detail layout. But I can tell you that if you're a busy working professional or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands, and quite frankly, you don't have the time to set around 10-pit temperature, so I can dig it. Barbecue Guru allows you to throw your pork butt or brisket or a couple slabs of ribs on your cooker. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Barbecue Guru has your back. It'll maintain that pit temperature you set it at. Currently, a number of different models to choose from. You have the uh, CyberQ Wi-Fi. You have the CyberQ 2, the DigiQ DX2, the PartyQ. It's $129 for that PartyQ. Runs on AA batteries. It goes from cooker to cooker to cooker. $10 more for your ceramic-type cookers. 
Now, maybe you're in the market for a cooker yourself. Barbecue guru known for awesome cookers. How about that Onyx oven? Winning in the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country for a number of years now. Fully insulated unit. Holds a ton of meat. Accommodates half and full pans for food service. And you know it's going to work seamlessly with any of the barbecue pit temperature devices that you're going to put on it. Do yourself a favor. And me. Head on over to thebarbecueguru.com. That's the BBQ. Guru.com. Check out all their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. It can get a little confusing, I know. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. So make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, the number 800-288-GURU or visit TheBBQGuru.com. The Barbecue Guru is a breakthrough in barbecue technology. If you have not had a, a beef rib... You're doing yourself and your family a disservice. Try them this weekend. They're great. All right, uh, let's try and win a book. Jamie Provience's new book, Weber's Big Book of Burgers. Right after this, 216-220-0966. Start calling in now, 216-220-0966 for a free copy of Jamie Provience's new book, The Big Book of Burgers by Weber. Stick around. Name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this fast living, the women, the whiskey, craziness. There's whiskey in my soul. 216-220-0966. Greg at com. Your email address and phone number. We're going to play a little athlete or porn star if anybody calls in to win a copy of Jamie Provines' new burger book. The Big Weber's Big Book of Burgers. Jamie was on the first hour, talked a little bit about the uh, book itself and how he feels it separates itself out from a lot of the other burger books uh, that are out there currently. Uh, there was a big run on burger books last year. IQ had a burger book, uh, Chris Hart and Andy Husbands, who have sent, uh, well, they've written a number, Wicked Good Barbecue, Wicked Good Burgers. I believe there's maybe another book in the offing as well. Got to get Andy Husband back on the show. He's my, he's my man. One of my favorite reality TV show guests ever on Hell's Kitchen. That's where we first met and uh, had a bromance together. Mostly me watching him on the television. He didn't know who I was. But now he does. Tremont uh, 647, right? That's his uh, place out in the Boston. Uh, getting a question from Jeff Starks. Greg, question for you this segment. What would your advice be for Barbecue Pitmasters next season if you were the producer? Well, Jeff, I am glad that you asked me that question. Actually, I'm not really glad. Uh, look, I think it, it comes as no Well, it's going to come as no surprise. Uh, the very first show this season, I had uh, Eric Thomas from Rolling Grill on. And we recounted 
his time uh, on the show again. We talked about the uh, how to start a home-based food truck business as well. I have the book right here. And, uh, you know, for any number of seasons now, uh, the mantra for me continues to be the same. Uh, a, after the first episode, I haven't watched another one. Not this season. I don't know who's been on since uh, Eric Thomas. I just don't. Um, my interest in the show has uh, waned just because if you go back through the annals of me having John Marcus on the show and uh, contestants that have won on the show and um, barbecue Illuminati on the show, no names, please. The one thing that you have to understand is this. I don't have a problem with anybody who's on the show. You know, I like Tuffy. I like Myron. Big fan of the BMC. I like every single competitor that's on there. I don't have a problem with anybody that's on the show. I just personally have a problem with that format of show. I don't like it. I didn't like it. And I, again, I am obviously in the minority. Otherwise, shows like Chopped or Cupcake Wars or you know whatever. All those shows that are out there that are very popular to this day after years and years and years of being on. I'm allowed to like it, not like what I want. I just don't like that format of show. It's not entertaining to me. The jibber-jabber between the teams seems forced when it happens or uncomfortable. I don't think it necessarily is something that they would do if they were at a regular competition. This isn't a regular competition. I certainly understand that. You're not cooking normal stuff. And I am completely not in the dark on the fact that I think that broadcasting a barbecue competition, in its essence, would be any more exciting. It's a TV show. So uh, my suggestion, which I have offered to uh, John Marcus every, every time he's been on the show that we've talked about, uh, subsequent season, you know, whether it be a post-mortem or, or a pre-mortem before the show actually starts a promotion, is this, if you go back through where people think was the most successful barbecue pitmasters season, it wasn't uh, Outdoor Cooking Channel. It wasn't Outdoor Life Network. The most buzz about any of the Pitmaster seasons has been the what is now deemed the season one of Barbecue Pitmasters. It had Johnny Trigg in it. It had Jamie Gear in it. It had Harry Sue in it. It had my boy Gary Notley from Notley Q. Gary, what's up, man? Where are you living? It had, um, uh, who else did it have in it? A Paul, that Paul guy, new, you know, chef, new to the competition scene. Uh, Tuffy Stone, I believe, was in that show as well. And they followed them along to a very small handful of competitions. And you kind of got that... Uh, I don't know if insider's look is the right thing to do. But I thought that was the most compelling season. And again, obviously, for the people that feel the same way I do, 
We were the eight people that thought that because next season was dramatically changed. And never have we seen it return back to that particular season's format. Ever. Not even a glimpse. So I have offered up. I said, John, you, you look at what's popular in the reality TV show world now. Uh, Bigfoot. Um, deadliest Catch. What, what's the fat little girl? Here comes Honey Boo Boo or whatever. You're, a lot of the same stuff is happening over and over again, right? You know, the guys on Deadliest Catch, you, you know what's going to happen. They're going to go out on a ship deck. The weather's going to suck. It's going to be cold, and they're going to catch crab, or they're not going to catch crab, and it's going to be very dramatic. Nothing new is going to happen when you're fishing. You watch it because you like the deckhand, or you want to see the greenhorn get crushed by the unmerciful tongue lashings that all of the veterans of the deck are going to give him. Or that there might be a terrific wave that might splash somebody over the edge, or there's going to be a great helicopter rescue from the Coast Guard. You've become invested in a particular ship or a captain of a ship, or perhaps you hate a particular captain or deck mate, and you watch him because you want to hate on him. You're not watching for the specific reason of watching them do what they're out there to do, which is fish. I mean, who gives a shit about that? The same thing, I think, could be just as successful as if you got somebody who had somewhat of a personality. I mean, obviously, when you, you I'm guessing that people are on the Barbecue Pitmaster show because they have some semblance of a personality. Got to make it right. Got to be able to talk, generate a sentence, be a little witty. I think you could do the same thing with somebody you could get together with a top line barbecue team. Somebody that's able to kind of, you know, play around with the camera, but not play up to it or for it, but be good around it, be comfortable around it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And follow these people around. How many competitions are you going to do? Okay, we're going to do 35 this year. We're going to follow you around. And we're going to see how you do. And what we've what we'll, what we become invested in over the course, you know, you get through the first couple of events, you realize, okay, well, they're not going to win everything, but uh, you know, what's most important? Well, it's uh, this where they cooked the chicken, or they're tracking their stats, or they're not happy with this, or they're not happy with that, and they get home, and you know, maybe they're having some issues uh, at home, or the guy loses a job, or the husband's cooking meth in the basement, or whatever, and all of a sudden. The the show build is around barbecue, but it's not, you know, barbecue might only play for half the show or might only be focused around half the show. And you're talking about the other stuff that's happening in the lives, just like you're seeing in all these other shows. I mean, how uh, when was the last time you watched Duck Dynasty and you see any one of those hayseeds make a friggin duck call? Never, never. Because nobody cares that they make duck calls or generate buck urine. Who cares? You want to see these two bearded dudes talk about how cool they are, how they're going to beat one another at sports or whatever. Same thing could be done. I think that is your barbecue show. 
That's what I would do if I was making a suggestion. If somebody asked me, but who's going to ask me? Because if you look, four seasons, five seasons deep now, it's the cornership show of Destination America. Why, why would you change? It's like when Chris Lilly said, well, I thought you were going to tell me, why don't I try cooking in a different category? Forget that. Why would you change what's working? I wouldn't if I was the if I was the channel unless ratings were starting to plummet, I wouldn't change anything. Keep doing what you're doing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But since Jeff asked, that's what I that's the show that I would like to see. Something related to the world of barbecue that allows me to to gain insight, that allows me to get invested into somebody week after week. You know, I like the competition idea of how we see it now, but they're on one show. You don't see him again for three or four or five weeks. I can't build a relationship with that guy. He's gone. He won. He's gone. My two cents. That's why I like uh, Barbecue Crawl with uh, Danielle Damascus. It has nothing to do with the fact that she and I kind of came up. Now she's a big star and I'm still struggling on the Internet. But you can you either like her a lot because she's got a an ebullient personality and she's not afraid to say this barbecue's shitty and this barbecue's great or you watch her because you find her incredibly annoying and you want to sit there and hate on her for a half an hour she doesn't care she wants you to watch but you're built it's the investment there every week that's what I'm talking about that's my suggestion Bill Rempe father of this humble host writing in Thanks for the hospitality extraordinaire this weekend. Brisket was killer. Mine still sucks. Love, Dad. Dad, I seem to recall a number of years ago we had a barbecue where I made a brisket, and it sucked all on my own. It was the worst. It was the worst. Uh, 216-220-0966 if you would like to have a shot at winning the Jamie Purviance. BPM Season 1 is back. It's now called Barbecue Pit Wars on Destination America. Check it out. I enjoyed the premiere. If for no other reason than the mouth of the South, Myron, had his ads had his ass handed to him and a styrofoam platter. Check it out. Check it out. Barbecue Pit Wars. Barbecue Pit Masters. Pit Wars. Whatever. Thank you, John. So uh, whenever anybody's ready to come to me for brilliant uh, TV show topics dealing with barbecue, I have a few. Pit masters are out there that have good personalities. I have them here on this show, and all they talk about is wanting to get sponsored. So there's going to have to be a show out there that's going to be able to step up, help them out, Get them to the number of competitions that they want to do and to be able to film them, make them superstar, megastars in the world. Lucky for this guy, I'm going to stop the clock. Uh, area code 317, name and where you're calling from. Uh, I'm sorry. Hello? Yeah, uh, name and where you're calling from? Yeah, uh, Cam, my name's Brian. I'm calling from Camden, Indiana. Hey, Brian, how are you? Okay. Uh, do you want to try and win a copy of the Jamie Provines book, The Big Book of Burgers? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Let's do that. Let get the music ready. All right, here we all go. Right. All right, so uh, here's what we're going to play here. Uh, you said your name was Brian, right? Yep. 
All right. Uh, we're going to play athlete or porn star, Brian. And basically what's going to happen is I'm going to give you a name. And you're going to tell me if that name is related to an athlete or a porn star. You have to give me two answers correct in a row. And you have five seconds to give me an answer between each name. Pretty easy? Good. Sounds good. All right. Are you ready to play? I am. All right. Uh, first question for uh, Brian looking to win the Jamie Proviance book, uh, Big Book of Burgers by Weber. Uh, the first name is Karen Cockburn, athlete or porn star? Um, athlete. That's right. Karen Cockburn is a gymnast, believe it or not. All oh. right. Uh. Second name, and if you get this one right, you can win all of the prizes, which is a book. Uh, are you ready, Brian? I am. All right. Uh, second name, Rusty Cunts, athlete or porn star? Um, athlete. Yes. Thought I was going to get you on that one. Awesome. Indeed, it awesome. is an athlete. Uh, so, Brian, you've won the uh, most recent book by Jamie Proviance Weber's Big Book of Burgers. All you need to do is uh, shoot me your shipping info. Uh, Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. I'll forward it on to Jamie, and uh, soon enough you'll have that book, and I have it in my own hands. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for calling in tonight, Brian. There he is. He is a winner. And just between you and me, what is life like for a man named Rusty Cunts? And I am not kidding. Just Google search it because you know that's how I got the names. Holy moly. Talk about parents not, evidently not wanting to be pregnant for one second. And we're going to make my kid a living hell. Get that big stuff out of here. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, we are getting ready to wrap up the show here. First, let me talk to you quickly about Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Father's Day coming up very soon. What do you want to get, Dad? New clothes? A tie he's not going to wear? Action slacks? Probably not. How about you go to Stephen DeFranco Jewelers and get the perfect answer? A new watch. Steve has an incredible selection of watches. Perfect for all of the watches. Why spend a ton of money on a watch if you don't have to? All of the watches are stylish, affordable, starting under 200 bucks. Come in traditional quartz styles and retro-styled automatic versions. Chronographs, skeletons, and traditional styles fill out the Bolivar line of timepieces. Now, you have some different levels. The Precisionist, I have one of those. Want the most accurate watch in the world? Who doesn't? Bolivar Precisionist is that watch. The exclusive movement of the Bolivar Precisionist breaks down the second-hand movements into 16 segments per second, giving the second-hand a smooth-moving appearance. Steel and titanium versions are available as well. Bolova Accutron, I have one of those. High end without the high price. The Cadillac of the Bolova line, the Accutron, is the pinnacle of high end design without breaking the bank starting below 600. The Accutron watch gives you the high end style, quality, lifestyle without breaking the bank. Now, how about Citizen watches? Are you a gadget junkie? Citizen is perfect for the gadget guy. Eco Drive technology converts light into energy, powering your watch perfectly and accurately. Need a timer for your barbecue cooking? Some citizens have multiple timers along with multiple alarms and multiple time zones. You know you want to hook up with that. And then, maybe you're a little bit of a watch nerd. That's right. Philip & Company. Many high-end European watch companies use Swiss movements 
from a company called ETA. Philip hand assembles his watch personally using ETA movements and hand-picked components starting at just under $900. Philip's watches not only have an elegant European style, but they are affordable. All Philip's watches are serial numbered and registered with Philip himself. So here's what you do. You go to stephendefranco.com. You check out the website. Once you find the watch that you like, you give Steve a call. 440-943-2700. You ask for Steve when he gets on the phone. You tell him you're a barbecue brother or sister, and he'll give you the real discounted price on that watch. He's not allowed by the manufacturer to show the real discounted price on his website. StephenDeFranco.com, 440-943-2700. We're back to wrap up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. We are getting ready to wrap up the show here. And uh, we're going to do it very quickly, I might add. All the way back in the first hour, we had uh, Jamie Proviance. We talked about his new book, the Weber's Big Book of Burgers. Uh, Brian, I believe, was from Indiana, just won that copy a few minutes ago. Congratulations to Brian. Uh, then we have Stephen Reichlin joining us at 1014. And uh, me answering some of your questions. Great fun tonight. Appreciate you joining me as always. Um, if you have raw cast iron, season it each and every time. Little uh, Pam, little Crisco, let it burn back in for generations of rust-free service. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. I know you won't either. We'll see you back here next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.